Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus, who calls us to follow, who calls us to be his people, his sheep, who calls us to be his disciples who go where he sends. In this series that we're in about being disciples, following Jesus in the real world, today we come to this reading in Matthew chapter 9 and, and into chapter 10, and, and Jesus there is instructing his disciples to, to join the harvest, to be part of this mission that he's sending us on as his followers, as his disciples. Last week, we talked about being disciples who follow Jesus, and in the Great Commission, go where he sends. And where he is sending us is into, into this mission field that exists in the world. But beginning in this reading in Matthew chapter 9, we see the compassion of Christ, which is really important as we enter the mission field to start with the compassion of Jesus, to start by understanding who he is, what he is about, and who we are as people. Because people are like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus even says that in verse 36 of Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. How similar are we to those crowds Jesus saw? Do you feel harassed and helpless sometimes? Wandering aimlessly in life, struggling to to find direction, unsure of where to go. Unsure of what's next, of what's coming. Sheep are not intelligent animals. And so this is not a a commendation that we're we're soft and cuddly like sheep. No, this is um, more of a a helpless and hopeless um, adjective, (laughs) description. That's the word I was searching for. That we're wandering aimlessly, that we struggle even to meet our own needs. We live in a time that's hard. With all that's going on in the world, with, with a, a virus that's um, still pervasive in this world and infecting more people and, and causing all the difficulty that it's causing, um, hardships and struggles and you know, shelter in place that we're still in. When this was announced back in March, I was hopeful it was a few weeks. I was hopeful that we would be gathering again sometime in early April. That was the initial um, instruction, that for a few weeks we're going we're gonna to do this. And that sounded like an interesting way to spend part of the spring. Uh, and here it is almost summer. We have fasted from receiving the Lord's Supper since since March, and so today we finally get to do that in person outside at the conclusion of the service of the Word taking place from inside the sanctuary, all who gather outdoors, but we'll still be wearing masks and taking these precautions and sanitizing our hands and being really careful with how close we stand to any person and and all of the things that we're doing. I feel harassed and helpless. I feel like that's a hardship on me as a person, on us as a family, on people around the community and around the world. We struggle to meet our own needs at times. 
Now, the things that we really need, those are the, the, the essential businesses. They're, they're still open, but, but how do you go into the store and how do you get what you need and, or do you have it delivered and all the ways that we have to do that. But beyond that, all the needs that we have, beyond just the simple things of food and shelter and, you know, air and water, right, the super essentials, but beyond that, what needs do we have? And, and it can be difficult for us to meet our needs, to provide for ourselves. And we can certainly, like sheep, be vulnerable to attack. Be vulnerable to attack from the outside, not probably physically for most of us at least, but attacks that reach us through, through our enemy. Spiritual attacks I'm talking about. And we can be vulnerable in this way where we're subject to attack by, by the devil. We're harassed and helpless. We're like sheep without a shepherd. We're, we're wandering. We're struggling. That's who we are. But in the midst of this, Jesus arrives. And he sees the crowd and reaches with compassion toward them. And Jesus taught and healed and met their needs. Verse 35 from Matthew 9. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. In all the cities and villages, it talks about. Tirelessly, Jesus went from place to place, sharing this gospel of hope, sharing this gospel of peace, this love of God that he was bringing that was different from what people understood, different from what they knew. And beginning in the synagogues among the people of Israel, sharing that hope, that truth, that love of God. And then from there, spreading beyond. You know, beginning with the people to whom he was born, the Jewish people, but going from there to Roman people, Greek people, Samaritans, and all kinds of other folks. And the word of God through Jesus was getting out. The world was changing. But the world dramatically changed through the compassion of Jesus because he died for us. Sin entered through our first parents, so we inherit this condition. But we can't blame them because we sin and fall short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3 tells us. But Romans chapter 5, that we heard read this morning as well, says this, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This, this is an important point that, the Apostle Paul makes here, that we were still sinners. We didn't do something to make ourselves qualify. We didn't somehow recover from this sinful condition enough to earn, to merit, to deserve this gift. No, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Coronavirus that has swept the planet affects, you know, thus far, millions of people with an illness, and hundreds of thousands of people have died. When the vaccine becomes available, 
those who receive it haven't prepared themselves to receive this vaccine. There's nothing that that person has done to, to deserve that cure, to earn it, or the thing that the vaccine does is prevent that illness and overcome it on behalf of the, the person who's suffering, right? The vulnerable. That's how God's grace works. It is a gift from him to us, even while we were still sinners. Now, most of us know that already and believe that already, but not everyone has heard of the love of God. Jesus goes on in verse 37 to tell us that the harvest is plentiful. The very first part of, of verse 37, Jesus said to his disciples, looking out with compassion over this crowd that has gathered and says, the harvest is plentiful. Seeds have been sown. In a few chapters, in Matthew chapter 13, in a few weeks, our assigned readings will will get there. But we'll see the parable of the sower. And just briefly, the way that the parable uh, goes is that the sower goes out to sow the seed. And, and scatters the seed generously and broadly, and it lands on various types of soil. This is how the, the parable goes that Jesus tells to, um, to his disciples and to others who hear it initially. Further down in that chapter, Jesus gives a description or a, an explanation to his disciples about the seed and about the sower and how that all uh, works. So the sower spreads the seed, and, and some lands on, on various soil types, and, and some is choked out by weeds, and some gets eaten by birds, and some, um, you know, so all, everything else just, just amounts to nothing except the seed that lands on good soil. And then fruit is, uh, is born. That soil bears fruit, and it yields 100 times, 60 times, or 30 times. But the harvest began with the seed. The seed that is planted, the seed that is sown, and that comes from the word. The message of the gospel has gone out to the world. Through the word of God being proclaimed, being preached. And it began with with Jesus. It began with Jesus sharing this news of hope and help and love from God in him. And then as Jesus preached, his disciples are sent to preach. It began with his compassion, healing, curing, raising the dead, and all the things that Jesus did. And his disciples were instructed and sent out with that same compassion to do the same. Jesus gave his disciples authority over disease so that they could do the same. And those seeds that are sown through the word of God, through compassionate actions, and through this life-giving gospel, those seeds have been sown and have matured, and now the field is ripe. Many of us live, at least now, in, in suburban to urban kinds of locations. Not many of us live where there is agriculture happening around us very often. But you've probably seen it through times of travel and through opportunities to get out and 
We live in a pretty fertile area not far from us. If you go just south from here, you can get down into Watsonville where all the strawberries grow. Okay, not quite all of them, but a lot. And to get there, you've gone through Gilroy, which is where all the garlic comes from. Okay, not quite all, but a lot. And if you go east from here, you can get into the Central Valley and where all the nuts grow and a whole lot of other agriculture happens. And if you go north and in, into Napa and the, the vineyards on the sides of the hills, and you can see that in Livermore too, and you can, you can f- see agriculture all over the place, not far from where I'm standing right now. Agriculture has seasons. There are seasons of planting. Before that, a time of preparing the soil, of tilling and getting the soil ready for the seed. This spring, with time on her hands because, well, she wasn't going to school or playing music with other people anywhere, um, and she had a lot of time at home, Gina decided to plant a garden. And it's something that we've done... uh, poked a stick at a few times before. We're like, oh, let's plant a garden this year. And we usually think of it way too late to get started. But this year she thought of it way back in probably March. And, and she prepared the soil. She took a day where she cleared off some of the mulch in our landscaping where it was just an empty space in between where the peach tree is and the corner of the backyard. And so she cleared the mulch off and then she dug up the soil, and she took rocks out of it and found roots in it and dug those out and turned that soil over and and watered it. And the next day, she came out and turned the soil over and watered it and fertilized it with some things and got that soil ready. And then she started preparing other things. So she took some, some scraps of vegetables and things that we had in the house, cut some potatoes up and put those in um, to get those ready to plant. Took some lettuce that, you know, we'd cut down and used the, the romaine lettuce till it was like this big and put that in some water. And she did some other things and just started getting things ready. And then she planted those. She put them in the ground. And for a while it was like, well, it looks like maybe those potatoes weren't going to grow. Did they do something to them, you know, in the processing that sometimes our food goes through that prevented those from, you know, sprouting roots or anything. So there was, there was nothing happening that we could see. But not long ago, first one, then another, and now five potato plants are growing along the fence in our backyard. And some lettuce has come up, and some onions are growing, and some other things are happening. It's not a field, <laughs> But it's agriculture on a much smaller scale. Fully grown faith is mature. It begins with a a preparation and a planting and seed that grows, and then we bear fruit through the guidance of the Spirit, living in the hope that we have, walking by faith through this life, being disciples of Jesus in the real world. The harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. That's what Jesus goes on to say in verse 37. Maybe you've driven uh, nearby a field when it's ready for harvest time. 
There have been times when we've driven down probably through not far from Watsonville or someplace where there's a, a, a large field and about 15 people, mostly migrant workers we expect, who are bent over these strawberry plants and they're, and they're starting to pick the fruit. And if you look at that and think, wow, giant field, very tiny group of people, part of the harvest. That's, I think, what Jesus is, is describing here for his disciples, that the field is ready, the harvest is there and prepared, but the workers are few. Then Jesus sends his disciples to work. See, that's the tail end of chapter 9, and if you, when we turn the page into chapter 10, we see that these 12 Jesus sent out, this is in verse 5, and into verse 6, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He sent them to go. And we're still in the middle of the book of Matthew here. There's still a lot that they need to learn, a lot that they need to understand, a lot of training that they will get at the, at the feet of Jesus. They're disciples already, but they're not yet ready to go into this mission full time. I look at this as they go first to Israel like an internship, like they're on the job training. When I was going through the seminary, we had two years of instruction at the seminary and then a year of vicarage. This congregation had some vicars of several years ago now, and and that was part of that training process. That third year, or for some, the fourth year of their seminary experience, is a year of preparation and training that happens in the context of ministry. And it's really important, actually. And the way that it's structured for most of us who've gone through the, the traditional kind of track is that you do two years and you get all this knowledge and all this instruction, and then you go realize that putting it to use in the practical world isn't as straightforward as you might expect. They train us to be vicars and tell us the words that you say most need to be, I'm just a vicar. I don't know. This is their internship, their vicarage year for these men. It's not even a year for these disciples. It's preparation for what comes later, when they will be witnesses to the ends of the earth, when they will be commissioned to go and make disciples. They're sent, and we know their names. These are regular people with ordinary skills. Jesus didn't first gather the the smartest people, the most prepared people, the most intelligent, the the people with the the best backgrounds necessarily. He waited for that until he grabbed Paul a few years later. Then he grabbed a person who had vast Old Testament knowledge and vast experience with with, uh, Jewish communities and, and training, and he was an important player in this. But Jesus had gathered him to himself um, some fishermen, at least one tax collector, men who were zealous for the restoration of Israel, men who weren't expecting all that would take place. Until Pentecost, men who were not prepared for what they would do. Until the Spirit was poured out on them, they weren't yet 
understanding, and they definitely weren't ready for what was to come. In Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses the analogy of the body to describe believers, to describe followers of Jesus, to describe the church. That we are part of the body of Christ, and the members of the body each have unique gifts, unique responsibilities, unique set of, sets of circumstances. And that's a, a great analogy for us. That we are each uniquely gifted, uniquely skilled, with unique situations and opportunities in our lives, and we all have a part to play. And that's important. It's important to understand that we all have a part to play. The disciples were given authority, Matthew chapter 10 uh, begins with, over diseases and afflictions, over spirits. And maybe we don't feel like we have that same kind of authority. And maybe we don't feel like we have all the right words and all the right explanations. And we fully understand everything there is to understand about even the Bible. And how do we explain this faith that we share? What's important is that we play our part. What's important is that we join the harvest. Disciples of Jesus, we're commissioned to go. So do what you can. Do what you're given to do and proclaim the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven has come. In Jesus, this is the message that that Jesus preaches, that John the Baptist shares, that the disciples are given to share, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand in Christ. The grace of God is for all in Jesus. So proclaim that. And show compassion. People need it now as much as ever. We're in need of healing. There are people who have suffered physically, some because of the current virus that's around the world, and some for many, many other reasons, many other diseases, many other afflictions, some of it deep suffering that's not at all physical, struggles with emotions, struggles with past abuses, struggles with uh, depression, anxiety, and all kinds of things compassion. There are people who've suffered through inequalities and injustices. Show compassion. There are people who need comfort, who need peace. Show compassion. This is our, our calling as people who are joining the harvest, not just to go and proclaim. We could go out on the corner right here. There's cars going by even now. I can, I can kind of hear them. And we could get one of those megaphones and we could stand there and just shout at people as they're driving by, telling them about the love of Jesus. Not very effective. But having compassion toward people, showing people the love of Christ in action, that's effective. That's how Jesus did it. By accompanying the, the word and the message of grace and the gospel with compassion and healing 
and life-giving action. And we can pray. Jesus instructed us to do so. Pray that the Lord of harvest will send workers. People like us, even us, so that the kingdom will extend to more and more people. Disciples of Jesus in the real world, let's, let's join the harvest. There might be times when, like Gina's garden, we're not sure what's happening. It doesn't look like much is going on. We're, nothing's sprouting, nothing's growing. But things might be happening under the surface. We just don't know yet. We're called to be faithful and to continue to share the love of God in Christ with the world. As people who understand and know and have received this grace, let's share this grace, this gospel, this hope, this love of God because people need it. The harvest is plentiful. Brothers and sisters, let's join the harvest. Amen.